A restaurant Unstoppable, episode 122. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Every second of every day, your restaurant is talking to you. Between the chatter online, interacting with your POS system, or making transactions with your credit card processor, these are all opportunities to collect data, crucial data that can help you make the right decisions in your restaurant. To learn more, schedule a demo by going to resources.upserve.com slash restaurant unstoppable. The last table is served, the station is broken down, everything is put away, the inventory is complete, and now it's time to meet Chef Adam Lamb on the back dock where the most important meetings are held. Chef Lamb, say hello. (laughs) Thanks for that rousing introduction, Eric. And it's not only the most important meetings, but they're most the, the most interesting ones. Yes, uh, Chef, please tell me you're feeling unstoppable today. I am absolutely feeling unstoppable. I have a <laughs> renewed sense of mission, and I got my eyes on the prize, and I ain't stopping until I get there. Yes, and for the folks who haven't heard of Chef Adam Lamb, I have to point out that that wasn't my unique introduction. I stole that. That is his introduction for a great radio show we're going to teach you more about today. Uh, but let me just give the listeners at home a quick aerial view of who you are, and then we'll dive deeper to learn more about you and to get that inspirational ball rolling. So Chef Adam Lamb has worked in the hospitality industry as a chef corporate chef consultant for over 20 years. He's also the voice behind Brigade Radio. On Brigade Radio, Chef Lamb talks all things chef, the issues, the resources, the personal, the business, and the lifestyle. It's knives down, aprons off every Sunday at 9 p.m. Uh, chef, and you know, you, in this introduction, it says, it says that you, you get personal, you get um you know, we talk about lifestyle and it's so true. That's one of the things I've, I've just been listening to your podcast all, as much as I could the past few days. Man, yeah, you man. are real. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. You know, the, one of the only things that we don't talk about on the radio show is uh, recipes or favorite tools. I <laughs> just find that to be – and not saying that those aren't worthy topics. It's just not where my real interest is. You know, over the last uh, 25 now going on 30 years, um, it's really about uh, developing – you know, being of love and assistance to chefs to more fully uh, enjoy their careers and their lives. Yes. And uh, a lot of that has to do with lifestyle. It has to, a, lot of, a lot to do with how they manage stress. Um, and the only reason, the real reason why I can talk about it is because I've made just about every mistake out there. Mm. Yeah, there's not enough resources out there, really. I mean, there's so many resources, resources about trends and food and all this stuff that's so like, oh, like, like everybody always thinks it's about the food, but it's really not. It's about the person, about who you are, about who you are to others. And that's what's going to make you successful. And that's what you talk about. So it's a must listen for anybody who's serious about becoming a, a professional chef. And we're going to talk more about your show and why you're doing it. But first, I want to get that inspirational, motivational ball going. And it's already kind of going, but we're going to keep it going a little bit faster. We're going to give it another kick. So give us a success quote or mantra that you kind of live by. Lead less, mentor more. Mm, I love uh, it. I call my, my, my podcast a melting pot of mentors, man. You're just killing it right now. What does yeah. that quote say to you? Um, 
just uh, got back from Atlanta where we did a, I did a presentation and a workshop. It was kind of a new definition of leadership. Um, you know, in our careers in the hospitality industry, there's a lot of talk about how to be a good leader, how to be an inspirational leader. And at its essence, it's basically the ability to manage uh, and direct a group of very disparate people with all kinds of different motivations and get them kind of all marching up the same hill into gunfire, for lack of a better word, um, because too often our operations feel like warfare, mm-hmm. right? Um, but to me, the gaping hole in that is that uh, there's not enough time spent with mentoring folks, and that's, um, you know, we can do two things we, as as leaders. We can teach skills and we can mentor maturity, and I think that second part is the one that um, could use a little bit more of a renaissance right now. And because there's a lot of cats coming into the industry that need that, they don't necessarily have um, significant role models of mature professionalism in their life. And, you know, I flamed out really, really early in my career because I was reading my own press releases mm-hmm. and uh, got fucked up really quick. Um, and it was uh, an older guy who saw me beyond my position on the position on the schedule and what I could do for him and saw through to me to the person that I am Mm. and really helped kind of redirect me and create a trajectory for my career that was that was more about the team than it was about me man that's some great words to just focus in on and really I mean at the core of it what does being a mentor mean to you um several things number one it's uh, about being vulnerable Mm. or being having the the, the courageousness to be vulnerable. I'm not talking about standing up there and regaling people about tales about what you did when. Mm-hmm. Um, but very often, you know, we bump into people all the time in our in our daily lives that are struggling with things, whether it's struggling with their career or their home life or um, uh, how they decide to self-medicate. And it's only through the magic of, of storytelling about relating authentic stories that happen to you mm. that they can actually get a context for what for, for what it can mean for them. Number two, I think it's a longstanding career. Um, I've had guys come back into the kitchen after they've been gone five, six years and said to me, chef, you know, when I was here, I didn't really get what you were saying, but now I get it. And I just want to say thank you. And to me, that's probably the most humbling thing that I can think of. And, um, it's about, uh, talking less and listening more. Um, most of us are too busy or we tell ourselves that we're too busy in our daily lives in order to stop and take the time to find out what's going on with somebody beyond the walls of our operations. And it's only by expressing a sincere and authentic desire to know more about them that they actually get that you care about them. And I think it boils down to three things. Most people in the world want to be seen for who they are. They want to be appreciated for who they are. um, And they want to be valued for who they are. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that, you know, (laughs) and I made the same mistake so many times it's like putting the right person in the wrong job. Right. You know, just because someone's a great bartender doesn't necessarily mean that they're a great server. Um, just because they're great in the pantry that probably means that they're not going to be very good on the grill station. Yet we make those in changes in um, all the time in our operations and a lot of time to the detriment because we make the assumption that because someone's talented in a certain area that that talent is going to necessarily transposed to another position and that's very very rarely true oh so and- true i mean you're you're the words you're saying remind me so much of jim collins in his book i believe it's good to great where he talks about or maybe it's it's one of his books i can't remember which one it came from but he's talking about getting people on the bus but not only getting the right people on the bu- on the bus 
but making sure they're in the right seat on the bus. And that's what I'm hearing from you is, you know, that's what we need to, that's one of those qualities that we need to have. One of those if factors, which we'll dive into later, being able to see the talent and knowing where to put that talent. And that's what the best people in this industry do. They get those people on the bus and in the, are on the right seat on the bus. Right. And it doesn't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily, it's not limited to just technical expertise. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about emotional maturity. Mm-hmm. You're talking about uh, the capacity to be able to kind of uh, communicate authentic emotion, especially service staff have done lots of different service trainings where it's, you know, in order to make that personal connection, it doesn't take anything except maybe a quick touch on the shoulder or a touch on the elbow or um, squatting down next to the table. And I know that those are mechanisms, but really in the front of the house, it's about being seen as a source expert mm-hmm. because people are going into a restaurant and they want to be sold. They don't necessarily want to go through the menu their entire, you know, and dissect every single dish. Mm-hmm. They want someone to create a relationship with them. Um, so that they can feel trust in that and then be guided through the entire experience. I love being able to sit down and have somebody walk me through the menu and tell me about the things that they really enjoy. I mean, it creates this, uh, this sense of, of calmness and trust in me that I can go ahead and put my entire experience in their hands, which that I think in, in its essence, I mean, Danny Meyer talks about um, hospitarians, mm-hmm. you know, people who can translate their love for people in a way that, you know, it's like falling in love with your guest 30 minutes at a time you know yeah. talking to grandmother in the chair <laughs> absolutely Man, I, i'm really getting excited for this interview i mean you're just giving us so much great advice already i want to kind of get a, um, an idea of what path you took to get to where you are today so if somebody's listening and they know um you know what you did or maybe what you would do differently to get to where you are so how did you enter this industry and how did you make moves to get to where you are now Sure. I started uh, when I was 15 years old washing dishes. Uh, and I know it sounds kind of cliche, but that's exactly what happened in a restaurant uh, not too far from my parents' house. And uh, one night I was, you know, I wasn't very good at washing dishes. Like I'm sure in the drop ceiling of that restaurant, there are still saute pans that I used <laughs> to scrub. You know, I stuffed back up there. The general manager's probably wondering why he kept having to buy them. But, um, this is back in the deal. Before, this is back in the day before computers, believe yeah. it or not. And uh, there was a a wheel in the window where gals would stick there, and uh, the servers would put their tickets in. There were two ladies that worked in the kitchen, and one Saturday night, I was taking something to the to the service station, some stack of plates or something, and I stopped in the doorway and saw these two women who at that moment weren't really speaking to one another, meaning that they didn't have to communicate, Mm -hmm. but they were doing this dance in the middle of a kitchen. That was probably one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. This orchestrated ballet of, of execution that I stood transfixed for about 15 minutes. And I said, I don't know what the hell that is, but I want to get me some. (laughs) And it looked, it was awesome. And so, uh, all the way through high school, just got myself into jobs. Mostly I lied to get into jobs, uh, I I pumped up resumes to say that I had more skills than I did, and I got to be really, really good at having very steep learning curves. Like as soon as I got into a place, if it was something I needed to learn, I was looking. And back then, it, most chefs taught with their one shoulder up, so you could never really see around them to do to see what was happening. There was a chef I worked with uh, who made this world famous chocolate mousse cake, and actually would take all the ingredients into the freezer and lock himself in because he didn't want anybody to see the recipe, which is kind of ludicrous. But there are guys out there whose identity is so attached to being a chef and their value as a human being is based on what they do instead of who they're being that it becomes all-consuming. So 
I know. There's so much hope right now, though, because I, I hear what you're saying, and I think that was one of my fears when I was going to start this podcast is that people weren't going to open up. They weren't going to share what made them successful. Right. But the truth is the people who are truly successful are the people who open up. And like you put so much emphasis on mentoring, mentor others, give people the secrets and, you know, develop these professionals. And that's why they're, that's why they're successful because they're surrounding themselves with these passionate people. And then they're giving them the tools to be mm-hmm. successful. And then they're growing laterally, opening new restaurants with these people and, you know, giving those people outlets to grow and to being the means to their dreams and i hear yeah. that um kind of from your show and the emphasis you put on being a mentor and all these things sorry i'm, I'm interrupting your story about how you got no, to where you are quite all right man the juice is flowing yeah. um so uh i got kind of dead ended in a job and i thought that there was you know i saw myself as being a chef but i didn't really back then know what how to get there mm-hmm. so i actually joined the air force thinking that i was going to like go to culinary school and i would end up cooking for some general and uh in fact a year later was stuck out in the, in the uh missile fields out in minot south dakota <laughs> <laughs> reheating foil packed meals uh but the great thing about about that is um and i'm not typically a military guy i'm kind of a freedom seeker so i kind of chafe when someone's trying to tell me what to do but it really was a great experience on team building and how to work with people that you didn't necessarily like in order to get a job done so um spent three years over in england had great time over there and when i came back i came back to where i grew up which was around the chicagoland area and i got a job at the same restaurant i had worked at previous and kind of set my sights on chicago i figured if i was going to get anywhere that's the way it was going to be i think if i was going to tell my younger self anything from this perspective where i'm at now is uh take a deep breath and relax because there's plenty of time because somehow in the back of my mind, I got the idea that if I didn't make it as a chef, not be a chef, but be an A-tier chef by the time I was 35, that I'd be washed up. And I don't know where that idea came from. But my rush to try to gain skills and gain experience and jump around uh, in order to kind of angle my way to a sous chef position so that I get an executive chef position, I think. I could have been smarter about it. I had a very great dear friend who had three one-year uh, in, um, internships with European chefs and, you know, all the horror stories apply. So he had a completely different experience about it. Most of mine was kind of like a school of hard knocks and, you know, being kind of in survival mode a little bit. Mm-hmm. The back end of that is that I was always terrified that someone was going to find out I was a fraud. Mm-hmm. Or find out that I was the fraud that I thought I was. Now, what can we do to protect ourselves from that mentality? Uh, what's one thing that we can do per, you know, from, to protect ourselves from people thinking that we might be a fraud? Well, I think it gets back to this mentorship thing. I, there's, a, there's a relationship between a mentor and an apprentice, or now they're calling them mentees, <laughs> whatever word you want to use, that interpersonal relationship. You can see beyond what person's current skill level is. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing is you can see the greatness that they'll become. Mm-hmm. So in order to communicate that to them in a very grounded way, like I said, I keep coming back to like it's mentoring maturity, really, um, about how to take a breath, about how to realize there's joy in every single moment, no matter if you're cooking, you know, 18 trays of brownies or you got to slice 1200 slider buns. It's all, you know, if you can lose yourself in the joy of the of the work, like lose yourself in the work, then the rest of that shit goes out the fucking window. You're not so stressed about Oh, there's somewhere to get to. Um, you know, it helped me to understand that that you know you can't get it right, and there's nothing to get wrong. 
You know, one thing uh, I've learned from listening to so many of my guests is about transparency and just authenticity. And if, if you're clear about who you are and what you're trying to accomplish, you don't have to worry about being fake because you're putting it all out there. And right. I have to be honest, when I was starting this podcast, um, and I don't even put myself in the same level as the guests I've had on the show. I want to be clear about that. I mean, I am here to learn from the, the most successful. But one thing that I... Uh, I did from listening to other entrepreneurs, other successes is I was, I was authentic from the very beginning. And I said, I'm a student of the industry here to learn. And I think I was really afraid when I was first starting this podcast that people wouldn't take me seriously because I'm a student and I'm doing all this stuff. Who's going to listen to me? I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Like I don't have the track record, but if you're, if you're authentic and just true and, and just transparent from the beginning, then you have nothing to be worried about. And it's so freeing. To know that you have nothing to hide when it's all out there, man. It's awesome. Um, it's, clear, it's clearly apparent that your approach is working because, I mean, didn't you just get uh, get uh, called out by, I think, was it Toast? Yeah. Top 10 podcast. <laughs> that was top- awesome. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> that was brilliant, man. But see, that's because, you're fo- that's because you're about to work. You're not really thinking in the back of your mind, you know, how can I get on some list to be viewed as a source expert? And, um, and, I get that now. Uh, what I'm saying is earlier in my career, I don't think that I really appreciated that. Um, and thank God for some of the mentors who stepped forward and saw greatness in me before I even knew it was possible. I mean, I think I had a quite jaded idea of what um, greatness was. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took me round and about. And I've, dude, I've battled uh, several drug addictions. I've had uh, two back surgeries. Um I have uh, drank my fair share in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where most of my career was. <laughs> and I was, but I was always kind of the, I was always kind of the wise type. You know, it's two o'clock, dude. It's two, it's 10 to two. It's time to go home. We got families. We got stuff to do. Yet, um, I didn't appreciate the toll that it takes on your body and the toll that it takes on you mentally, the, the daily grind of the hospitality business. And I didn't, um, I didn't take care of my body in the way that I could have that I do now, mm-hmm. which is daily exercise. I was coaching somebody the other day and they're like, exercise. I mean, I'm in pretty good shape. I said, dude, it's not about building muscle. Exercise is really about, about exercising stress, mm. you know, mitigating that the factors of stress out of your body. So there are certain daily kind of rituals that I adhere to now that had I learned earlier in my career. I, and I, and again, it comes back to like, there were no resources out there. Nobody talked about this kind of stuff. Nobody talked about the fact that being open and transparent um, is the way not only to the people uh, to people's hearts, but it's also the way to authentic professionalism. Mm-hmm. It's just like you know, I got nothing to hide for a long time. I had a lot to hide because I thought that I was uh, that I wasn't real that that I wasn't as skilled as I was. Now I have a certain superpower in the kitchen and that's around systems and structure organization and team building. But I've worked with chefs who are like badass cooks and I would just kind of wilt in their presence. Yet when I kind of get my mind out of the way and I'm kind of, I'm thinking about a guy I work with, uh, work with on and off now when he and I are just creating and we go to do a, go to do a beer dinner. It's crazy. Either he writes the menu or I write the menu and the prep happens and then we get to the the site to execute and it doesn't matter who's executing because it's like we're sharing a brain cell. Mm-hmm. I've been very, very, very lucky to have some great mentors and to have some great partners in the operations that I have. And I consider those the sous chefs and, and um, other chefs and even line people, even dish people. Um, there's, there's a great deal of uh, empathy and respect that I give freely to to dishwashers and prep cooks and stuff like that. Uh, not because I think that it's some type of strategy to success, 
but I find that that, um, that that emotional capital pays huge dividends further on down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And Chef, let me ask you, what is your why? What is your purpose? What drives you to do what you do to start this radio station or this radio, uh, this broadcast to, to help other chefs? Like, what is it that just keeps you going? The why started out as um, I had to take some time away from the industry. Uh, in order to lick my wounds and do some healing. And I kind of felt out of touch a little bit. So what I decided to do was create this podcast basically on a whim and craft it merely as a love letter back to the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, Very often I'd start those first shows and kind of keep a picture in my mind of the people that I worked with. Mm -hmm. And it started out as pure entertainment with a little bit of message. And then as the mission got a little bit clearer um, and – and I understood how I could be best of service to those that <clears throat> that I love, my brothers and sisters in this craft and this fraternity. It became more about, yeah, have the entertainment, but the, but the message has got to be really compelling. And also to spotlight others out there that have uh, non-traditional management structures, non-traditional ownership structures to kind of throw a lifeline out to those folks out there in the industry who might be struggling a little bit with every day. I mean, I, I love your idea about you know, having this motivational message, which is why we created another show called Line Check that's basically 15 to 18 minutes because very often in Brigade Radio, we're an hour, hour and a half. Yep. And, you know, while you're sitting at home, that's great. But on your way to work, you want something that's perhaps a little bit more digestible, a little bit more powerful. So we're kind of working on that in the background. Um, but really, the mission is about assisting other culinary professionals um, better enjoy their lives and their careers. And that uh because i again having made all these mistakes uh do you do you remember the end of blade runner no i don't no, all right Sorry. <laughs> no, there's this great scene with rutger howard who's the android and he's on the top of this building after this grand battle and he's he's at the end of his lifespan uh and he has this great speech where he says you know i've seen things people uh, that you people wouldn't un- wouldn't believe I've seen starships off on fire off the arm of Orion and, and at the very end of the speech he said and when I'm gone all those memories will be gone and so is it, it's a way of this brigade radio is a way of me paying back both the love trust and respect and confidence that others shown in me by paying that forward to to anybody who's willing to partake of that Oh man, that's awesome stuff! And the, the Blade Runner came out in 1982. I was born in 1985. That probably explains. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to date either one of us. <laughs> but no, man, that's such a deep message, and I'm so happy that you're doing what you're doing because there needs to be more resources out there. And it's just so frustrating to when I, when I was first starting out to find these resources. I mean, there's just this misconception that success is about the food you put out and uh, the you know, the media you get. And there's just so much more to this industry than the food. Yes, there's that's a huge part of it. You can't over look at but it's just about uh the the pride and the happiness that can come if you do this job for the right reasons and right uh, and I, I hear that in your show um i hear that in your why awesome stuff so let's talk about some of your if factors those habits those characteristics those traits that you think you have that you think contribute to your success as a hospitality professional um i think part of it is hardwiring i think it's something that uh really great professionals bring in with them. But I also think that it's things that can be, uh, can be modeled and, and once modeled can, can be kind of like something that someone can grab onto. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, we have this acronym called CRISP, 
you know, and crisp in just about everything, you know, crisp in the way that you look, crisp in the way that you speak, crisp in the way that you present, crisp that the way you set your station, crisp that the way you, you clean up, um, to be able to get out of your head and into your heart and realize that everything you touch is, is affected by that energy. And I'm not saying that it's mamby-pamby like, oh, my God, it's cooked with love. But I'm sure all of us can relate an experience where we had a meal that was cooked by somebody who loved us. And as soon as you take a bite of that, man, you, you can feel that as a physical sensation in your body. So the reality is that in the quantum field, there's um, that type of energy affects every, everyone around us and everything that we touch. Um, and food is an incredibly porous transporter of uh, not only talent, but also emotion. So um, losing oneself in, in, the, in the job, in the moment, just kind of like just finding the joy in the moment. Um, I think there's mindfulness and presence practices that are incredibly important to keep one's uh, heart or uh, keeps one's head out of the way. Uh, overanalyzation, uh, over strategizing. I mean, we're taught as professionally as culinary professionals that you need to plan really well um, so that you can execute well, and that showing weakness is a career killer. Like saying in front of a culinary crew that you don't know uh, used to be, you know, you basically be able to hang your apron on. But in this day and age with such highly specialized cooking techniques, you don't necessarily have to be a master of molecular gastronomy. Um, what, but what you do have to do, be is a master of hiring someone who's a master of molecular gastronomy, right? You can build a team whose talents are are far and away together much more than the ones individually. So a weak chef will always uh, hire for weakness around him, meaning that he'll be the one that wants to look good mm -hmm. and uh, perhaps maybe throw some people under the bus. A really smart chef hires for strength and makes sure that everybody on his team has a different, has a discipline that's better honed than his own, meaning that Throughout the team, someone might have a particular bend on one technique. Another one might have another specialty in this. But together, brought together, now the team really hums. Yeah, and you know, it, it's. I think it doesn't. You can take that whole philosophy and apply it beyond the chefhood. Like that mentality totally is just anywhere. Totally. Like the most successful people alive, they're successful because they accept that they're not the best at everything, and they're really good at finding the best and attracting the best to them, and putting those people, like we talked about earlier on the bus, but in the right seat. And I hear that again coming from you. Yeah, I think one of the most fascinating aspects um, of the culinary field, and not only the culinary field, but the hospitality industry as a whole, is very often it's a great social laboratory. The The operation becomes a is a microcosm of the macrocosm of the community in which surrounds it. So very often in an operation, you might have, you know, six or seven different nationalities with five different languages and being able to work in that environment and kind of surf that, uh, uh, surf that emotional wave and being able to, you know, it, in order for people to get what you're saying, you, you got to communicate with them in a language that they understand. The message can be the same, but for each person, it needs to be couched a little bit differently because everybody listens the same, uh, listens differently. They listen from their perspective of their experience, from some of the crap that's happened to them, some of the great things that happened to them. So I could say the same message to you and then uh, say that same message to the person standing right next to you. And it, they look at me with glassy eyes because they didn't get it. Mm -hmm. So being able to and I'm not saying that you morph your message. What I'm saying is you morph your delivery of the same message. Mm -hmm. 
um, and most importantly, um, managed by standards and not by personality. Mm. Wow. So I'm going to write that last one down so I can say <laughs> it at the end. Uh, so here's what I got, man. I got a bunch of if factors. Uh, you know, mentioned earlier, your your just ability to create those systems and processes in the kitchen. Uh, you might not be like the knockout, uh, you know, uh, you know, the chef ability, but you can build those those systems, those processes, those procedures that are so important. And then also, you put or I put down. Uh, uh, losing yourself in the moment and being present in the moment, just being there and enjoying the work you do and loving that, that just, you know, exchange of, uh, food for just happiness, the return yeah. of people being happy, uh, mastering of building great teams and just finding the best, uh, ability to communicate with your team and get that message across. And then, uh, to, to manage standards. I believe that's what you said. I manage uh, managed by standards instead of personality. Yeah. I mean, those are some awesome if batchers, man. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I can't wait to build the show notes for this episode. Um, so we're learning a lot about you and what makes you successful. The story to where you, you got to where you are today. Um, we got to talk about a failure now, chef. We got to talk about a time where you just fell hard on your ass. Uh, take sure. us through just like, a real raw moment, like lift up your skirt, man, and just show it all and the bare bones and everything. Like a time where you just, you know, didn't do good. Oh man, there's so many, man. Uh, all right. So, uh, the very first executive chef job I had, um, where, uh, I kind of had to face the specter of, uh, a drug addiction and then had a mentor who actually kind of believed in me past, uh, any particular problem I had in the moment. This guy, uh, was an old Chicago Blackhawk, uh, alumni. I mean, he started out in uh, at the Chicago Blackhawk, which is a huge steakhouse mm-hmm. in uh, in Chicago, and actually started out in the purchasing department, where him and the buyer would go down to the stockyards, and he would actually have to stand out there in the cold and and stamp sides of beef with the Blackhawk stamp while the buyer was inside with the stockyard owner drinking scotch. <laughs> but, uh, Ed had a son who wanted to get in the culinary business, and uh, seventeen years old, um, John Jameson. And so he asked me if I would take him under my wing. And I said, sure. And uh, JJ kind of looked up at, kind of looked up at me um, and put him through the paces. And JJ had me kind of up on a pedestal a little bit, and I allowed him to do that. And, uh, and then I was going to go pick up a car on the south side of Chicago, and my car broke down. So I asked him if I could borrow his Jeep. And, you know, literally went in the kitchen. Hey, bro, toss me your keys. I need your Jeep. And he's like, sure, no problem, you know, with big moony eyes. Um, And his Jeep broke down right outside of the property. Uh, And I went back and tossed him his keys. I said, hey, your car's busted down and I got a ride with someone else. So instead of, uh, which crushed him. It crushed him because I treated him like someone who didn't care about him. And when it was explained to me how, devastating that was for him i really uh i really got crushed i, I was like holy shit man i really fucked this up before and took- we, we move forward i want to make sure i have the, the story right and i listened to the story you, you told the story in one of your recent episodes i think it was like a couple months back and then yep. I, I was kind of scratching my head then too um the the story goes you had to go pick up a car your yep. car you didn't have a car yep. um you asked to borrow his car his car yep. wasn't starting um, was it the fact that he thought he was going with you? Did you, did you no, think that you I were actually, just no, using actually, him for his car? Yep, that was it exactly. Okay. Uh, the, the fact that his that uh, his car it started and it broke down, 
And instead of actually staying and helping out with getting the car put back together or getting it back to him, mm-hmm. I the keys at him because I was busy with another appointment. Like I had to make this window of opportunity to go get this the car. Okay. And so I shit all over him. Um, and I can tell you another quick story. There was a uh, there was a dishwasher um, who just a happy go lucky guy, but every time I saw him there was something going wrong like catching him doing the wrong stuff and whatever and he kind of like was a little clueless and i remember taking him in the office one day and uh i was just dressing him down i was i wasn't using any epitaphs but i was certainly you know like what the fuck is wrong with you this is going to be it and the guy fell to his knees and started crying but i'm not like talking about like cry cry i mean like wailing crying Mm -hmm. And grabbing onto my leg and I went like, holy fuck, what have I just done? I mean, I have stripped this man's humanity away from him. And uh, there is nothing more dangerous than a man who has no self-respect anymore. And I just I picked him up and I just said, listen, I, I, I am terribly sorry. This wasn't professional of me. And I swear to God, I will find another way. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like a, like to understand that 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 power is a, is a dangerous, dangerous and thing. And, um, you know, the smartest man is the one who has power and knows when to withhold. And I didn't know that, you know, as a young buck, I thought it was, you know, that everybody was prime target. Either you're on my bus or you're out walking and I'm not fucking putting up with any bullshit. And the reality was this guy was, you know, just sometimes in the wrong place, at the wrong time. And he had a good nature and he was really trying to do a good job, but sometimes he just, was out of phase with everything else. And I took my frustration about where I was, about what I was doing out on him. And, um, and that's the day that I realized that, uh, that things had to change in a very drastic way. Mm-hmm. And now how did you make it right with this? Uh, the mentee that the person that you were, uh, taking the car, what did you do? In the- long, long, long time. I mean, I had expressed my deep shame. I mean, I was, com- I was open and vulnerable. I'm like, dude, I am so fucking sorry. I didn't know that that's the way that you took it. Mm-hmm. It was a complete misunderstanding on my part. I should have stuck around and helped you fix this vehicle that you lent me in good faith, regardless of whether it was running or not. Um, I don't know how I'm going to make it up to you, um, but just please know that I will. And it wasn't any, it's not like I gave him choice shifts or anything like that. It was more to the point of I had to, um, you know, professed him that I didn't have the answer, mm-hmm. you know, but if he was willing to kind of renegotiate the relationship with me, we'd find a way around that. And in the end, it was uh, it was a much deeper relationship because I took the time to actually just kind of sit next to him and work with him. And sometimes we didn't even have to say anything. It's just kind of like this consistency of presence. Um, awesome. I mean, know, the, the nobody, things, sorry, go ahead. No, nobody wants to feel like they've been taken advantage of. And a lot, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people in the industry and it seems to be uh, a theme either, you know, they're holding others in judgment or they're, you know, whether they're pissed off at the customers or they're pissed off at the management team or they're pissed off at their chefs. They feel like they're the ones being taken advantage of. And um, a lot of my passion around this is kind of to reset that conversation to realize that we're all. Uh, you know, that we all have the power to change that, you know, and we all have power to take responsibility for it and to shift that conversation because ultimately it's about being happy in your work. And if you're not happy in your work, it's fucking time to go do something else. But, but, but nobody goes into this business because they want to be a fucking crusty pissed off chef. I just refuse to believe that. 
even though I was for a long, long time. No, man, there's so much to be taken away from these stories. And just, I mean, what I'm taking away is that, you know, there's nothing more important than your people. And at the end of the day, if you don't have your people behind you, it doesn't matter how skilled you are, how passionate you are, you're only as good as your team. And you got to, you can't take that for granted, you know, you, yeah. and that's what I'm picking up from this failure. And um, thank you for getting real. Thank you for opening up and yeah, being vulnerable yourself. So we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself just wishing you could have your own personal assistant? I mean, oh, to have your own assistant in the restaurant business, man, that'd be nice. Well, now it's possible with Upserve. Upserve is your assistant that helps you make small, easy changes that dramatically improve your bottom line. It does this by harnessing the power of data. Let's be honest, most restaurants don't use data well, but it's not their fault. There's two big reasons why. First, your data is disconnected, which limits its power. And second, even the data that you've got isn't fast and easy to use by 2016 standards. Well, Upserve can help you with that. To learn more, simply schedule a free demo by going to resources.upserve.com. Upserve.com slash restaurants unstoppable. Again, that's resources.upserve.com slash restaurants unstoppable. What are you waiting for? Get on it. We're back. And the first question I have for you, Chef Lamb, is what's your advice for getting that initial capital to get started? For a restaurant or for a podcast or what? That's a really great question. <laughs> for, uh, a, for a restaurant. Like, I mean, you've worked with so many great restaurateurs. What did they do? If you were going to open your own restaurant today, like, how would you get that capital? Well, I just talked to a guy in Cleveland um, who was just named uh, one of the CNN heroes for 2016, Brandon uh, 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 Krostowski, who has a restaurant called Edwin's that he set up uh, early on as a leadership and uh, – uh, a leadership institute where he uh, works with ex-felons re-entering society and basically puts them through a culinary program for six months within the restaurant. Um, and he basically said, uh, like, because I asked him, like, where was the initial startup capital coming from? And it was fascinating because he knew that he had to put some skin in the game and that was cool. But then he always had his business plan ready. Like, so to be absolutely crystal clear about what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve and have that down as an elevator speech is really, really important. Um, and then no matter where he went, he actually listened. Like he bumped into somebody that was in charge, that was, uh, that was a big fundraiser and, you know, asked a question and just shut up. Mm-hmm. And, um, each one of these things is he kept the, his, the way he said it is that, uh, he kept taking away people's nose. So, uh, do you have a business plan? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, great. Let me see it. And then, 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 and just keep working it. And it took him time to do it. Uh, I think if I was going to say anything to anybody trying to get in the industry or, you know, open up their own restaurant, I would say think very, 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 very long and hard about it. Um, and do it for the right reasons. Cause if it's about ego and you want your name up on name up in lights, then, uh, get ready for failure because there's plenty of cats out there who have, uh, you know, not only flamed out, but have ended up taking their own life. I'm thinking of Homero Kantu who uh, committed suicide last year when one of his partners decided to take him to court, uh, based on some, uh, bad expenses that he was putting forth into the business. And, you know, it just, the, the grasp is too tenuous and too shallow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you, you know, be really clear about the mission, be really clear about what it is that you want to do. And from there, um, 
it's all about taking away people's nose. So I, I don't necessarily have a hard and fast answer about where it is. I know that there's a lot of alternative funding uh, companies that are popping up, uh, especially around social media that are completely non-traditional and very flexible. And if nothing else, it'll help you hone your, your elevator speech. You know, just listening to you talk, one thing that I uh, what really stuck out to me about your on, or on your advice, this gentleman making an example of him, he had a really solid reason to open a restaurant. His mission yeah. was, um, and you know, it's his why, and it's the question why I ask the why. What's your why? Is to get after those reasons to open a restaurant, to to rehabilitate and to to lead you know convicts back into society. I mean, people don't buy what you do; they buy why you do it, and that's a, a, a huge lesson from Simon Sinek. I'm sure you're. I know you're aware of him because I listened to your episode with uh, Donald Burns and Chris Hill the, about with the Shep Branding Academy. They've been guests on my show too, and to get that story, you know, to find out why you're doing it, and to get you know really clear about it, and to get like you said your elevator pitch ready, and just to get super focused and to develop that brand, even when you're trying to do like the social, getting on social media and going to those platforms, um, when you can develop your brand and your uh, kind of like your online resume I mean, it just makes it so much easier and I'm hearing a lot of that advice coming out yeah people are gonna people are gonna sense ambiguity from a mile away so uh, and uh, when I was talking to Brandon he was like uh, his why was so strong based upon a previous experience that he had when he was a young man and, and got uh, a judge to withhold a prison sentence based upon his rehabilitation uh, in a kitchen believe it or not um he like it's the restaurant, the mission, and then himself. I mean, his and I said, but you know, he's married and and has a child. But it's like he was completely set and comfortable with the fact that he was never going to be married or in a committed relationship because that's how strong he felt about what he wanted to achieve. Mm-hmm. And, and and he created it as a five hundred three C or like a nonprofit. Yeah, a nonprofit, and I asked him why, and his answer was was amazing, which was I wanted it to outlast me. Mm, awesome, man! I gotta talk. I gotta talk to this guy, Brandon. What's his yeah. name? Oh, uh, Krastowski. C H. Well, I'll, I'll I'll ping you with the information because uh, he is. He would love to be on the show. I, I'm not saying that I know that, but I'm sure that he would. He's uh, an amiable guy, and he's got a great story uh, and an amazing mission because it wasn't just about the culinary school that they were putting together. I mean, they turned their crew over in the restaurant. I mean, they change positions every four weeks and every six months, that entire crew changes. Wow. So he's actually using those people in the restaurant and his, he's got like a 90% uh, rate of uh, hiring folks out at post program. Uh, and he's got a zero recidivism rate. So the people that go through the program, not a single one has gone back to prison. Wow, that's amazing, man. It really is uh, just so much to learn from that. I think that's a great segue into the next question, which is on the topic of people. We've already put so much emphasis on people and how people are so important and how to hire, how to manage, how to retain. Uh, And what I'm hearing from you is, you know, just investing in your people and making it about them. I feel like that's some of the advice you're about to lay on us. Do you, is there, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time on this topic already. Is there anything else you want to add? Yeah, I do. Um, I have a friend in Boston uh, who has uh, several s- successful restaurants, and he. Uh, no, I'm going to make you give me a name, right? <laughs> uh, you know, Andy Husband's. Tremont. Oh, he's already been on the. He's been a guest on the show. He was one of my first ones. Yeah, and awesome. uh, 
you know, he sets up a formalized training session in his kitchen where, you know, there's cutting board and there's knives for everybody and they break down a pig or they do something that's kind of outside of their ken for the time in order to build skills and familiarity with stuff that, I mean, the sad reality is, is most of us as culinarians have lost, uh, not complete touch, but a lot have lost the connection between, you know, where the stuff comes from because our only reality is a cardboard box with cryovac product in it. And some of us are really, really lucky to be, um, uh, to be, uh, like down deep in the farm to table movement or live in an area where that stuff is, is possible. But for a lot of us, it's just not. So, um, to be able to bring in other products to play with is a really great idea. And I think the other thing is that, that we don't do, um, again, kind of getting back to mentoring maturity is we don't, uh, model or role play enough. And I gave you a great example. Um, you got a, you've got a, uh, a lead line cook who, you know, in the absence of the sous chef basically runs the line. But how many times have you actually role played with him on what it's like when a server or a manager comes back from the front of the house and there are a rate? Mm-hmm. Um, very rarely those situations occur organically and nobody really has any skills around that. So if you're looking for him to, ex- to exemplify maturity and kind of like just listen to what has to be said and kind of chill the entire situation down, but you haven't modeled that for him or you haven't like role played with him like, okay, dude, I'm going to be the server. I'm going to be a complete jackass. Not to say that, that paradigm exists perennially between the front of the house and back of the house because I'm a big believer in breaking the fucking wall down. Yeah. Uh, um, but those situations do occur. And being a realist about the stresses that are in the industry, you know, how many times do we actually – you know, formalize a training session around situations like that. Probably not enough. Uh, I know in the front of the house, there's always um, uh, some training giving over on how to deal with irate or unpleasant guests. Uh, And I'm just saying by extension, that should be happening throughout every area of the operation. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So what I'm hearing from you with uh, this advice on how to, you know, uh, just – develop people is educate you know take that time to tap into those higher needs of personal growth if people feel like they're growing professionally with you they're gonna stick around i mean those things are it's not enough to get a paycheck today you gotta really tap into those higher needs of feeling like you're a part of something special feeling like you're growing personally and finding your you know self-actualization so that's yep. what i'm hearing from you great advice <laughs> You've you've put it succinctly, sir. Thank you. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, work life balance. I mean, that's one thing that will get a lot of people in trouble uh, is just not finding the time for those people in their life, the things that they love, to stay sane. I and mean, what's your advice on things we can do to have that work life balance? Um, okay, so I'll go on record and say that uh, my belief is that balance is bullshit, or the concept of balance is bullshit. And the reason I say that is because it becomes another to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, again, having this presence in the moment of being able to kind of give yourself over to what's happening in the moment is a fantastic way of like maintaining sanity and also reducing the amount of stress. But also, um, you know, it kind of goes back to that thing, you know, instead of looking for, uh, a job where you have to take vacations, uh, you know, if you're really impassioned about the work that you do, uh, you don't necessarily need vacations. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that that uh, that you don't self-nurture mm-hmm. because that's really, really important. And I, I believe that that is a daily practice um, either before or after the shift. And I don't think it's anything that can be skipped because – you know, as I mentioned in the show, there's a there's a guy uh, who posted a picture on Facebook about his motivation station in the kitchen, and it was basically a stainless steel table with uh, coffee, Red Bull, creme brulee, chocolate bars, 
da 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 da. And if that's the way that you're self-medicating, uh, you're in for a world of hurt eventually. Um, and I'm a big believer in ergonomics insofar as working conditions. There's too many, too often that I see guys bend over tables um, for hours on end. And what happens is gravity starts pulling at the muscles of the stomach. They start losing their elasticity. Now your back is carrying more of the weight. Now your hips are going. And if it doesn't happen, you know, by your 30, by 40 for sure. And, you know, the subtitle for Brigade Radio is career, culinary career longevity. Because I believe that we can enjoy this 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 craft and this fraternity for long into our sixties and seventies, but not if we're like so ready to throw our bodies around with reckless abandon. Yeah, and you said you had some issues with your health earlier, but today, I mean, you're doing better. You said that. Uh, awesome. What else are you doing? Like, what things are you doing now to stay healthy? Uh, okay, so the first thing is to reduce inflammation in the body, and there's a product called curcumin, um, and I'm not a. Uh, I don't have anything to do with the company. <laughs> It's just they they figured out a way to take that active ingredient in turmeric and put it in, uh, put it together in a way um, that it bypasses the digestive tract um, and is actually brought up by the lymphatic system. And uh, curcumin reduces inflammation in the body a, a great deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and inflammation has been kind of implicated in almost every debilitating disease um, and joint damage and stuff like that. So anytime you can reduce the amount of inflammation in the body, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in uh, – and uh, fresh lemon and water because that helps to keep an alkaline body. Uh, again, if it's sodas, if it's sugars, uh, our body turns acidic really, really quickly. And it's just a great fostering place for bacteria and for other stuff to, to break us down. And I liken what we do in the hospitality industry, both in front of the house and back of the house, as being world-class athletes. Mm-hmm. And if you look at world-class athletes like football players and soccer players, you know they are very diligent about taking care of their body. They're icing their muscles down after practice and things like that. But for some reason, we think it's just you know the price we pay for the glory yeah, of being – whiskey will take care of that. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it really, it's it's – it's, it's not as complicated as I'm, as I'm making it sound. For me, as a culinarian, uh, uh, Pilates has been a great source of exercise for me. Um, and for anybody who thinks it's for sissies, you know, the guy who started Joe Pilates trained boxers in New York City. And it just so happened that the dancers on Broadway, you know, figured it out. And what, what those exercises do is they help to expand the spaces in between the vertebrae. So your spine actually lengthens, which is a great thing to do. Um, but anything that gets your body in motion, I, you know, I'm an advocate for it. And everybody's, you know, it's gotta be something that's pleasurable to you or you won't fucking do it. Right. Do you do yoga? Um, I have done yoga. It's, uh, it's an interesting practice. Yeah. Um, I've done some yoga that has kicked my ass, you know, <laughs> panting on the ground. So, uh, yeah, that's something to look at. And, uh, there's nothing funnier than, uh, you know, a room full of big guys trying to do yoga. <laughs> well, my sister just got her certificate. I'm trying to convince her. I've had so many of my past guests just recommend yoga because it's so low impact and it just builds that core so well. And I'm saying, yeah. Rachel, I mean, you, you got to get out there and you know sell yourself to this demographic of people who are just going to use. Uh, yeah. Kitchen <laughs> <Kelsey>. <laughs> All right. So uh, you're clearly educated. You clearly spend a lot of time uh, just growing yourself, your knowledge. You clearly are, uh, educating yourself and growing personally. So what are some of the books you recommend, some of the must-reads for uh, anybody in this industry just to, you know, get uh, well, in the, the right f- mindset? The first one that comes to mind uh, for me is The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday, mm-hmm. which is a book about uh, stoic wisdom. And I, I think uh, 
stoicism has been kind of hijacked because when people say, oh, it's, he's being stoic, you know, it means, uh, you know, kind of John Wayne, shut up and, you know, be strong but silent like my dad was and uh, who died at the age of 61 and uh, far sooner than he should have. Um, but, you know, uh, stoicism is not necessarily about keeping silence, it's about uh, the ability to stay neutral mm -hmm. and present in the moment and not uh, allow what's happening to you to uh, to be taken on as something about you, mm -hmm. you know, and it's uh, one of the things that I come across a lot is, you know, chefs in particular um, and certainly some folks in the front of the house are clearly very strongly identified with what they do as as who they are. And the reality is that is far from the fucking truth. Um, you know, there's always that one cat that comes to the bar after work and he's still wearing his chef coat, not because he doesn't have any other stuff to wear, but because, you know, he wants everybody in the bar to know that he's a chef or an aspiring chef. And, um, you know, very often the hole in that person's heart is not going to be filled by any amount of work in the culinary industry or anything that he's going to imbibe in afterwards. So, uh, uh, that book I think is really, really, can you, and it's, can you hit me with the title of that book one more time? Yeah. The obstacle is the way. The obstacle is Ryan. the way. Is that on audio? Yeah. Awesome. It's Awesome, man. I'm adding I love it. it to my checklist or my uh, my cart right now. Uh, <laughs> and I'll have this book in the show notes. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 222. You'll find all the links right there, and it is on audio. So do check out audibletrial.com slash unstoppable to get that for free if you don't already have Audible. Um, I, do. I love Audible. Oh, man. It's, it's the perfect thing for anybody in this industry yep. who really wants to grow because I don't know about you, man, but if, after working a 16-hour day, I'm not going to curl up on the bed with a book. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, and I would, I would, I would say one more that's kind of it doesn't necessarily have to do with our industry, but is a fascinating book, and I think has been is now being used by Google as a as a kind of like a, a handbook to initiate people into their culture is getting more. Mm. And I'm not quite sure of the author, although I do know that he's a uh, a university professor who has spent his entire life in very high level negotiations. Do it. Stuart Diamond. Stuart Diamond, yeah. Yes. That is a fascinating book. Um, and very often uh, in negotiations, he's looking like the kids that take his course actually have to like negotiate stuff for free, like in their real lives. So uh, he's taken all this stuff and kind of compiled it in this book. And I gave it to all my kids because I thought it was just a great piece. And very often it's about being over there mm -hmm. with the other person to understand from a negotiation standpoint what they're looking for. Um, and I know that it sounds kind of like, like, sure, well, yeah, that would be it. But very often um, negotiations are uh, a tense test of will, you know, like nobody's going to fuck me. I'm going to get it over <laughs> and da, 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 or I'm going to get mine and coming from this whole philosophy of lack as opposed to um, abundance where there's enough and you can share and it's not going to mean anything less of you if you make a concession. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I think today's politics or the uh, – or any indication, you know, that's a message that's kind of lost on a lot of folks right now. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, great stuff right there. Uh, so you already put a lot of emphasis on technology, or not technology, but systems and processes and how you just gravitate to being able to do that really well. And I look at technology as a system or a process that's just super hyper fine-tuned. So what systems or technologies are you interested in in becoming more productive, becoming more systematic, uh, and you know, really getting that order in a restaurant? Um, I, 
Okay, so one of the things that was promised by handheld uh, PDAs at the very beginning was that people were going to be able to pay for their meals at the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I travel a lot. And in Canada, it's just rote, man, that the server brings over the terminal to the table and people swipe their credit cards. Um, and for some reason in the United States, it has not caught on. And when I ask around, they say that it's people don't trust the system. You know, they think that their credit cards are going to get cloned or, you know, coming from this position of fear. Uh, but from an expediency uh, factor, I think that that's something that more operators could be playing with. I'm not a great fan of like removing the personal touch. Uh, there's some airports I go into and they've got basically PDA bars set up where um, at every seat there's a PDA that you can, or uh, not a PDA, but I'm sorry, uh, uh uh, no, an iPad. Okay. That, that not only can you surf, but you order from the iPad as well. And then someone bring. And to me, that's like that may seem efficient, but at the cost of an interpersonal relationship. Yeah, this I, is a high touch, high personal I mean, industry, and totally, I am yeah. I'm right there with you. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there, maybe in the bigger cities, those introverts, or they just want to go get their food and not interact with anybody. That might work, but in uh your normal you know, town of like 20,000 or less, like, yeah, where are you going to find the people who really are just that detached <laughs> from like, you know, social interaction? Like, I just don't understand it. Right. I, like, and then there's always valet gourmet for that valet. <laughs> yeah. the order online and someone shows up at your door and it's cool. You <laughs> even have to change out of your robe. Can you think of any services uh, that you've seen people using that they say they speak highly of that are allowed you to do this, uh, table side check processing? Um, no, I think it's a function of every single one of the POS providers out there. I okay. just think it's I think it's a func- I think it's a uh, a a portion of their of the technology that either they don't have enough trust in that they can sell it or that people don't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very often, uh, you know, it, there's a lack of understanding. And I I think it's a fine line that we walk as hospitality professionals to be. Uh, you know, hospitality professionals or educators. I, I don't really know which side of the line that we fall into, but I know that sometimes it can get really standoffish when someone's, you know, trying to educate me when all I want to do is go in and get a meal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, insofar as other technologies, I mean, uh, the POS companies that are coming out now are so wonderfully integrated. You know, back in the day, it was difficult to find one that had uh, an inventory program that you could actually write recipes on and have. Um, virtual inventories so that every time an order is placed through the kitchen, it's actually uh, in cyberspace, you know, your inventory is matched to what's in your physical plant. But those are, those are coming on a lot more. And, um, you know, ultimately the technology isn't so important as how it's implied. I think uh, sometimes the technology is used in absence of taking the time to train and to learn about the person. So I, I, I haven't seen anything that's like, oh my God, stop my wheels. Um, because in the end, it still needs to be uh, built, it needs to be launched, and then it needs to be maintained. Mm-hmm. And very often, these POS companies come out with spectacular systems, but the operator forgets that if you don't have somebody maintaining that system all the time, then it's shit in and shit out. And then all your numbers are off, and then you're trying to figure out what's going on. And they go back to correct that stuff. I mean, I built uh, databases for... Um, uh, for micros uh, for a bunch of different companies and that was consistently the, the, the thing that they like they they didn't mind spending the money on the database build but then they kind of balked at having somebody do regular maintenance on it and let's face it if you have a a, a case of 
gallon milk and that's what you're getting every single time. But then this time it came in quarts. Mm-hmm. You try to enter that into the system <laughs> without going through the process of changing it. it completely yeah. Yeah. And I don't, and I also don't think that uh, many operators provide enough time for chefs to actually do that kind of necessary maintenance on it. Like if it, if it's indeed in their, in their wheelhouse to do so. But if someone's not watching the hen house, man, there's going to be trouble down the road. Awesome. Well, man, uh, those are all the questions I've had. Uh, I mean, I had one more question where basically I ask, like, what's your one piece of business advice if you could go back? But you said already, if you give yourself one piece of advice, that past version, you said you would take, you would tell yourself to take a break or take it to be take br- a breath. Br- breath. Take a That's breath. what I wrote down. Um, relax. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate then, on that? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, there's this whole conversation about mentorship and you can be um, a really enthusiastic uh, and grounded mentor. But if you as an up and coming culinarian or hospitality professional are not coachable, mm-hmm. are not willing to be mentored, then those words are going to fall on deaf ears. And I've gotten old enough to know that the older I get, the less I know. <laughs> right. So I am like I'm like when you were talking about starting the show and saying, Hey, listen, I'm just a student. I don't know anything like now. I got no problem saying, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's the most liberating thing in the world to actually admit that. Yeah. I kind of heard about it, but you know, I'm sure there's plenty that I don't know. Enlighten me about it. Yeah. And to offer that as kind of like a, a, a doorway to deeper understanding. It's like not as important as it used to be to have it all handled. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as an identity in the hospitality business, um, that'll also put you in a grave really, really, quickly as you know no i got it all handled i don't need any help you know it's all good that's a bunch of horse shit and <laughs> we all who tells you they know they have the answers to everything you should be very very scared and uh, just on your toes around that person right exactly <laughs> so if, I was, if i was looking at myself the first time that i met ed jameson uh who thought of me as a young punk and me i thought of him as kind of an old fart kind of out of touch I would have clocked myself upside the head and said, dude, you have no idea the opportunity that you're missing right now. (laughs) Like be willing, be willing, just be willing to be mentored, be willing to be coached, realize that there's a lot of time and there's lots to learn. And anybody who's willing to, to give of themselves to you should be honored and respected. Mm -hmm. Chef, if there was one question I could have asked you that I didn't ask that would have brought more value to this interview, what would it have been? Wow, brother, that's really difficult because it's been such a great, a great conversation. And um, let me see here. Uh, no. What's no. <laughs> no. <laughs> awesome. No, but I, but I, but I tell you what, I, t- I tell you what, if you agree to have me on again in a little while, I'll be sure and come up with an answer. <laughs> yeah, man, you're always welcome back. If you ever want to tackle a topic that just you feel like needs to be addressed, by all means, open invitation. Oh, um, man, that's awesome. <laughs> and we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So who's one indie restaurant professional, somebody that you think would just be a great guest mentor on the show like you've been for us today? Uh, just call them out right now. Well, you've got uh, you've already got some of the people that I think that that I'm becoming uh, more and more uh, impressed by. Um. Uh, someone who I think that you should have on your show that comes from a different different perspective of it is uh, a guy by the name of Greg Barnhill, who's the uh, executive chef of the of the Omni Homestead. 
in Virginia, which is a very, very dynamic and complex institution um, that is chronically, uh, you know, it does over $13 million a year. They got three and a half million booked for the month of April and they are working at some really, really interesting things, not only for sustainability from the surrounding neighborhoods um, and counties, but also they're doing some pretty cool non-traditional things as far as staffing is concerned. Awesome. So uh, he's, uh, yeah, he would be a great guy. And he, I've had him on the show several times. He's a very dear friend. Uh, 20 years ago, I hired him as my sous chef. And two years ago, uh, he asked me to come up there and help him out as his sous chef. And I was, oh, I wow. was proud to do that, man. Greg Burnhill, look out, man. I'm coming after Barnhill. you. Barnhill, B-A-R. Barnhill. Barnhill. Yes. Greg Barnhill. <laughs> Thanks for the I, correction. I'll, I'll give you his home address later. <laughs> Stock him together. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, that's it. I'll just let the folks at home know how we can connect with you if they want to pick up the conversation, if they want to check out your Absolutely. awesome podcast. Let's lay on us. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, you know, as initial point of contact, I would say adammlam.com. Uh, that's kind of my general website with links to everything else. But if you're looking for Brigade Radio, that's BrigadeRadio.com on Facebook uh, at Brigade Radio. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram as well. And, uh, you know, they can connect with me at Adam at AdamMLam.com or they can even call me at 954-376-5054. A phone number. If you guys yes. don't take advantage of this, I mean, this is an opportunity to connect one-on-one <laughs> with somebody who wants to give you mentorship advice. And yes. that's what you're all about, man. So, that's I mean, right. if you guys don't, like, sack up and – you know, take advantage of that, then I don't know. Don't what. make me have to change my name. <laughs> All right. That is it. Thank you so much for taking the time Thanks, out of your busy schedule to join me as a guest mentor. Dude, I am pick- Thanks very much. <laughs> There's no questioning. You are unstoppable. Come on, brother. Neither are you. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Cheers. Okay, we'll talk to you later. later. Awesome. Well, that was just an awesome episode. Thank you, Chef Lamb, for joining me today. Uh, I mean, where do we start on this summary? On where to, to, you know, just, I don't even know. I mean, to me, what really stuck out is just, uh, you know, they say fake it till you make it. And they say that, uh, like he said, if you admit your uh, incompetence or if you don't know something, you say you could hang your apron on it. But, you know, from what I've learned from, just personal experience and from talking to other people is that the more transparent you are, the more honest you are, the the more people are going to trust you, the, the greater rapport you're going to develop with people. Uh, and with today's standards, I mean, it's so easy. I shouldn't say today with today's standards, but with today's uh, technologies and access to resources, it's never been easier to educate yourself. So if you don't know, big deal, admit it, get the answer. It's that easy. Um, another thing that just really I, that I just admired so much from our today our guest today, uh, Adam Lamb, is that you know when when you mess up, own it. Don't like make ex- excuses and uh, look for ways to get out of taking that ownership. Like when he was a, a dick to that kid, he owned it and he he said he did everything. He made it up. You know, don't say that you're gonna make it up actually do it that's the other thing that's worth mentioning you know actions speak louder than words and you totally saw that happening with his stories and uh, his character today and then lastly the you know the big thought that i think is just totally necessary to pull out the you know the lesson to pull out of today's episode is that 
you know, we have to be mentors today. We don't think of this uh, work we do as an opportunity to, to mentor people enough and not only to be mentors, but to get mentored. That's definitely one thing that I've seen a commonality from my guests is that they go and they work for people. They get that experience. They get mentored. They, they admit that they don't have the answers, but they show that they're hungry for the answers. Uh, so, I mean, are you, are you being mentored right now? Are you taking the opportunity to surround yourself with people that have the answers that can steer you in the right direction? It's never been easier. You know, today all you have to do is pick up a book or go to a website or uh, communicate with somebody. It's never been easier to communicate to somebody, to reach out to someone, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all these platforms where you can connect with somebody to get answers. And now they have platforms where you can go and pay a flat fee and just get these like, archives this library of, of modules to teach you what these people know for a pretty reasonable price one of them that i can just think of off the top of my head is restaurant rockstars with roger bodwin i mean i've had a handful of people approach roger with this tool and they're loving it so far so i mean that's just one example right there that i can think of there's tons another one uh nick's university of past guests zing trained re Wineswag. I mean, they're out there. These are great ways to, to surround yourself with mentors. So take some action. What are you waiting for? All right. Uh, like always, guys, do reach out to me, Eric at restaurantstoppable.com. Uh, use my links. Tell me if you're interested in a product or service that's mentioned on the show. I'll connect you with those people. That's how we maintain uh, this free resource. It's free to you, and it's only works if you if you use my links and you spread the word and you share this with others. Those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, keep them coming. I want to be the number one restaurant podcast, and I do that by having you guys leave those ratings and reviews and by sharing this content. And then uh, lastly, uh, if you can think of anything, uh, maybe a topic to, to discuss or technology to dive into, or maybe you can think of a guest to have on the show, somebody you admire in your community that you think would be a great guest mentor, let me know. I'll get them on the show. We can learn from them together. All right, guys, that's all I have today. Thanks so much for coming out and joining us. Until next time, peace out.